Hey, yo, Flip. Yo. I'm going to put you on some fire, man. They got this new bed wash company. They got the lotion and the, the everything. What's their name? They got a recovery room. It's What's out- the name? Maestro's, Maestro's Classic. G-Money's up front. I'll put, put you, you on, put you on man. Man. I'll put you on the you Maestro's, sure? man. You forgot the way I brought you? You forgot where I brought oh, you up there? Oh, man. You forgot? You forgot man. about Ghost? Oh, all right, Who is What's his name? Ghost. You know again? He cool, man. <laughs> Ghost is cool, man. Yo, make sure you get your Maestro's Classic Bed Care products yes. today at Target. CVS mm-hmm. or go on maestrosclassic.com and use the promo code QueensFlip to get 10% off. 10%? That's it? I thought, it was, I thought it was free if you put your. Are you crazy? All right, I okay. got Make sure you go there today. Log on maestros with a S.com. I'm from Queens. G Money. Yo. What's up, man? What's good? What's good? A lot, a lot of things going on, man. Feeling good? I'm feeling all right. I got my notes today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I have my notes too. You see my notes today? I saw your notes, but let me put my notes on my laptop. You know what I mean? I got oh, my notes. You, you, yeah. You learn it, man. Well, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like, you know, y- y- y'all be hating on me. <laughs> you don't want to share notes. But how you doing, man? How's, how, how's your week so far? Everything's good, man. Shout out to my cousin, Takeem. You know what I'm saying? Today's actually the day. Um, three years ago, he passed away. You know yeah, what I'm saying? So I was, I was the fam just now. You know, shout out my Aunt Sharice. Everybody, yeah, we, we had a little drink. Family. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah it, was, it, was, it was a good it was a good time, though. It was good. Good, good to see everybody. Yeah, yeah. Good to see the family. You know, Kaya. You know, Kaya, baby, shout out to her, my, my cousin. You know, she 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 takes it the hardest, I feel like, out of, out of the whole family. Like, it's, it's like her little brother. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, me seeing her kind of like break down off the rip, you know, I had to go cheer her up, make sure she was good. And, you know, we, we, had, we had a good time. We had some laughs. We, we had some talks. We, you know, um, a, a nice big family prayer in front of the building. You know what I'm saying? So, it was dope. It was dope. Gotcha. I appreciate You know that. what I'm saying? Shout out to, shout to him. And uh, on a brighter note, shout out my cousin Shaka one time. His birthday was the other day. You know what I'm saying? He's a big fan of the show also out, right. out in D.C. area. Thank you. So, shout out to him. You know what I mean? Shout out to Shaka, yeah. I ain't you know looking at your nose, bro. I ain't looking at your you nose. You look at the nose? Go ahead. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> is he cool? Yeah, he is. He is cool already. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had to, I had to see. Yeah. <laughs> but everything is good, though, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, How you feeling? I'm, I'm all right, man. You know, uh, you know, the interviews that we've been doing, you know, has been just, you know, we got to understand that. I want the people to understand that there's no, in, in no way we're trying to promote any sort of like cause any issue. We just oh, allow, please yeah, talk about it. We, talk just, about we it. just allow people to tell their story. And before we get to our next guest, because he's, he was on time and he's been pay, he's patiently waiting. But, but you know, we got to do our intro. But just want to say that to the people out there that, you know, we allow people to come up here and tell their stories. You know, if, if, any, if any story is inaccurate or if you feel a story doesn't add up, you know, you should deal with the person that's telling the story, not the people that's doing the interview. We weren't yes. there. We didn't see. Uh, we would love to be there. But we wasn't we even born half the time these stories yeah, are going on. we wasn't even born half the time <laughs> the stories are coming out. So, or we just, you know. But, you know, that's, that's, that's the people for you. Yeah. You know, that's society. Society takes things, takes something little, and they blow it out of proportion. But I, I support everybody, and I wish the best for all the podcasts and the people that could. All the guests, I still support them. Yeah. I just don't want to have nothing to do with any nonsense that's a fact because that's not the message that we're trying to you know convey to the audience 100 percent, 100 percent. g money yo what's up man a- <laughs> how you doing man you all right yes yes are we able to curse yeah i'm joking <laughs> i'm just bothering you i just wanted to hear the voice g money yo episode motherfucking 114 we made it we got a special guest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, oh man. Smooth. Yeah, smooth guy. Smooth criminal. Did the research on him. Ah, my man. How you doing? 
I like New York. <laughs> Jordan Montarano, everybody. Round of applause again. Let's go. <laughs> you like New I York. I like New York. How's everything, Jordan? I can tell you stories about New York before you was born. Oh, mm. please. Oh. How's everything? Good, good, good. You looking good. I'm home a short while from 32-plus years in prison. I went away a young guy. Mm. Came home an older guy, a nonviolent first offender. Didn't even have a parking ticket for cannabis. And uh, the word cannabis wasn't even around back in that day. Wow. On your indictment, it said marijuana. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I I sort of like, uh, <clears throat> without me saying it, but many, many others have told me around the country, I paid the way for what's uh, going on today with the cannabis industry. But before you continue, you know, mm. we, we, we definitely like to uh, to to... to to take it back, you know what I mean? We like to know who is George. Yeah, right? for sure, like, for sure. You know, we like to know who's George as far as like a child because we want to know about you, who you are. Gee. Well, I grew up in a very <laughs> ethnic neighborhood. Uh, matter of fact, uh, the block uh, in the 20s and 30s, the block uh, that I was raised in was called Gunman's Row oh. because uh, if you... Uh, People had businesses that uh, had money owed to them. They would come down to Gunman's Row and they would go in these hangouts mm. and they make a deal. So, uh, and I come from like, uh, <clears throat> for instance, when I was two years old, there was a guy named Benny the Gimp. He was a gangster. He used to carry two long barrel thirty eights, mm. and but he liked to take me uh, to eat ice cream. For some reason, he'd like to see me get eat ice cream and get it all over me. And he'd be laugh. And uh, my mother didn't want to give give him to me to him because, you know, she was scared. She was only young. Back in them days, you know, your mothers, uh, you know, they got married pretty young and mm-hmm. started having kids uh, pretty young. And Well, make a long story short, uh, <clears throat> one day a car pulls up and blows Benny away. I was... Mm. right there in the stroller and my mother had a she ran out of the house and took me in her arms and got me out of there but I was two years old on a lamb because the detectives were looking for who was the baby in the stroller mm. so that's how far I go back with neighborhoods that uh, were very characteristic what neighborhood was this though in um Gun- my neighborhood it's called Bella Vista Bella Vista and uh, South well wouldn't say South Philly per se, but near South Philly, Bella Vista. South Philly, okay. Yeah. So do you recall that incident happening when you was in the car, or that's a story that they told you? No, I was a child at the time. But yeah. I was the youngest child on a lamb, two mm. years old. <laughs> so, uh, and you can go on and on. The stories are unbound. And, and uh, uh, my father, uh, they say he was... Uh, he was a gangster, and uh, you know, well, he had a bad ending, but he did the best he could with the little he had, and uh, that wasn't me. Like I said, I was a nonviolent first offender, mm-hmm. but I took an awful lot out of the 32 plus years that I did. Five years of that was in solitary, mm. and uh, it was totally legal what they did to me. They kept moving me around, kept me locked down for. Long, long time. But I I didn't count the, I learned how not to count the days, the weeks, the months. I used, used to just count the Christmases. 
Mm. So if you count the Christmases, it's much easier. Mm. So talk about now, you know, uh, you're two years old, that happens. You know, how, how was your childhood after that? Like, what, what, what else kind of, you know, um, well, kind of childhood you was good. Uh, it was a uh, roof over the head, uh, food on the table. But in those days, you worked. If you wanted you wanted a little something extra, you worked. And, uh, and I always worked. And, uh, and, uh, I can remember a little, no uh, one of nine, ten years old, I had my first business. Mm. So uh, uh, my neighborhood was uh, back then. You remember the, the movies? The, these the movies would open up where you would see the horse and wagons in the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Well, my neighborhood actually had three stables. So I was a little kid, and I used to go get ponies, especially warm weather, spring and summer and early fall, and I would sell pony rides. So I was like eight or you know, like a young kid making fifty, sixty dollars a day. That was an awful lot of money. Um, so everyone worked. Everyone worked. I have a question for you. You seem like you're being kind of modest. Um, <laughs> and what I mean by that is because your father, you know, he was the you know his name. Uh, well, the Raymond. The, well, the Long John, right? Well, was the he, pro prosecutors I, called them the gangsters. Criminals, criminal. Criminals, criminal. Yeah, they labeled him a criminal's criminal. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that what, when you were younger, what, do you remember him being around that vicinity, the the mob type thing? Do you remember that? Yeah, it was a way of life. It was a way of life for certain certain families. It was a way of life, but respect. You didn't uh, you didn't uh, feed into it much because I wasn't a kid that. Traveled. I was in a family that we didn't go to, of course, country. You know, it was, that was the neighborhood. That was it. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that's the way you were raised. But you really, you paid attention to it, but you didn't re really pay attention to it. Because it was the way of life. Now, some people, you know, as far as like, you know, growing up in certain situations or like they, their family being part of gangs and things like that, they kind of like grow into that, you know. So what kept you away from that lifestyle, you know what I mean? Well, I just felt that uh, back in that day, if you if you had a family member that was in the mob, whether you had an uncle or cousin, that was enough. <laughs> so that, you know, you, you lived off of his respect and reputation. So all you needed was one in your family. Hmm. But today I got a little different. I, like I said, I don't pay attention to it anymore. Uh, I just feel. Out of it. Well, I just feel it's a. Uh, it's not the way to go. No, it's not the way to go anymore. Hmm. Um. So all right. So <clears throat> that happens. Uh, you grow. You grow up. What is the teenage years like for you? You so know, when I was a teen. Yeah. What was that like? Well, again, like I said, you you went to school uh, and you worked. You worked. It was always at work. You always had a little hustle. Uh, uh, the, this big movie coming out it just came out. Uh, the Irishman. I heard it's a hit, even though it's a very, very long movie. And it talks about uh, Jimmy Hoffa mm -hmm. and his demise. Well, guess what? It wasn't for me. It wouldn't have been a movie because I okayed the gentleman who wrote it. Okay. Mm. Frank Sharon, I okayed that. We were in federal prison. But uh, let's go 
you back to the question you say when I was a teen. Well, uh, I'll give you a scenario. Uh, everybody's dead now, so I don't care about talking about things because everyone's dead. Well, I was there when uh, Jimmy Hoffa uh, made, uh, gave the wrong answers. I imagine there was a meeting, and uh, I looked at the news like everybody else. Two weeks later, he was gone. So I was around a lot of stuff for the young age, but again, <laughs> I didn't pay attention to it because it was a way of life. George, stop it, George. Come on. It's okay. I, you know, you passed the life, but you paid attention to it, George. Don't act too cool for school, man. You paid attention. You knew about it. We did our research hey, on man, you. Yeah, you're right. They called you We're the cowboy. Right. We know everything about you, George. Just, just, <laughs> I was more interested as a teen in going around to get a girlfriend. Okay, know. but mm. first of all, real quick, you know, excuse me for being ignorant. Um, who was Jimmy Hoffa? I don't, I don't. You... Jimmy Hoffa was head of the Teamsters, and they, it's a big FBI mystery today that his body was never found. They, they spent millions over the years, millions. I think over the years they kept saying he was buried here, and the FBI would come and spend a ton of money to try to find it, and they never found it. And that that happened like five, six times over the years. Okay. Yeah. And it's, you said that he answered the questions wrong. What questions are you referring to? I don't know. I wasn't there, but <laughs> I imagine he answered them wrong because two weeks later he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so you, 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 you saw him. You knew him. I mean, that's how close I was to that that serious life. Yes. But, you know, I try to get away from the castle then play into the castle. But did you really try to get away from it as a kid or you... Yeah, because it was a way of life. So my godfather and my father, did, you know, it was always, always, everything was serious all the time. So as a young guy, you wanted to get away from the seriousness. What was your mom's take on everything that was going on? Excuse me? What was your mom's take on everything that was going on at the time? Well, there was, she was an old school, you just, you, 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 you played the hand you married into. Hmm, that's real. But they, my father came up from nothing, so, you know, he didn't just, he came up from nothing. I mean, his family, uh, his parents used to, uh, in the summertime, him also with his siblings, they used to go pick in, the, in New Jersey. They used to go pick vegetables in the summer and live in little, these little shanties, so... Hmm. He came up. He came up the hard way. So you understand why he, you know, because you know when I did research on your father today, and I watched, you know, uh, a mini documentary when they walked past where he was gunned down. They said that he always had money. So do you understand why he thrived to maintain to get money? Well, he had money hard... when he became when he came older in life. But as a young guy, he struggled. Yeah. Matter of fact, my location, uh, my Hip Hemp Cafe, ladies and gentlemen, Philadelphia, hiphempcafe.com, yeah, everyone can see it. I have a 200-year-old well. 200-year-old well wow. on display. I'm the only business in America that has it. It's level with the floor. It's, it has a lot of history. It's called Bootlegger's Well. And uh, my father, as a young kid, uh, used to make money running pints from the bootleggers from there. So uh, I wind up uh, building, wind up uh, coming to our family 
many, many years ago, but we had heard rumors about this well. Well, no one ever saw it until I did renovation, construction to open up the Hip Hemp Cafe, and sure enough, there's a well there. It's like 30 feet deep, and it was used to run off the stills when the, when the, in the Prohibition time. So my father was a young guy trying to make a few dollars to you know, feed us. So it's uh, symbolic to me, but it's called the bootlegger's well. Yeah, real quick, because I'm going to move off the subject, but when I when I did, um, you, your father, uh, last question about your dad, your father, when he, did he sort of like try to keep you away from the life that he lived or you were close to you if you understand what i'm saying i don't, I don't no, want to say he, he wanted, brought you into the life he wanted me to get an education i had a full scholarship to temple oh that i didn't i didn't even pay attention to because you was caught up in the life i started going to school i went up there and and, and selling weed you think oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh you know i had plenty of opportunities but, okay but he wanted you to get an education. So no, Pop wanted, wanted def you to get an definitely wanted to be like, you see, people don't know in America, you know, there was Jewish mob. Um, uh, there was Jewish mobs also with Italian mobs. And their their children all went on to become doctors, lawyers. And, the, and so their, their mob life was wiped out. Matter of fact, Philadelphia was the last city that had a Jewish mob boss. But I always heard that, but I never, I never. Willie Weisberg was the last Jewish mob boss in Philly. Mm -hmm. So, but their their children went in to get education. Education. Well, the Italians were they not so good in that move. Do, do, <laughs> do you remember how you started getting into the weed business? Let's get straight into it. Well, I was a young guy. Uh, you know, you're teen. Everyone goes through. Uh, in your teens, everyone goes through some man mental anguish. Every teen goes through it. So you either, you know, drink a little, uh, do something that you're not supposed to be doing. Well, I ran across uh, uh, marijuana, and I, it was my my escape, you know, my, uh, you know, forget my troubles. And I started, I don't know, 15, 16. And from then, I smoked, and then... Uh, I sold it, and then I went to prison for a long time, <laughs> and I sustained. Even though there was drugs in prison, marijuana prison, I didn't, I didn't do it because I had to. Uh, I had a lot of responsibility as a mentor educator. Hmm. So anybody does time. Once you lose <laughs> your credibility uh, with staff, you cannot, uh, you know, help as many as I did. So. So 30-some years, 32 years go by, and I come home, and uh, and uh, I went home not too long before I indulged. <laughs> now, real quick, you said uh, you started smoking marijuana because you, you had some, some troubles. Before that, you said you kind of, it seemed like you had a, a, a pretty nice life setup. So, like, what, what kind of troubles did you? Did you... Well, not not troubles, uh, documented troubles, you know, anguish, mental anguish. Mm. All teens go through, you know. So, so like you bullying. Need, you need you... that escape. 
you know, you need you need to forget your troubles. You were getting bullied when that time in school, or, or no, no, no. You just every teen, you know, you want. He just knows how to answer questions. Yeah, yeah. You just know how to answer questions. But he said trouble. Gonna, I'm trying to figure not, out why. Will you're not gonna divulge into. You're good. I give you the credit. You're good, but you're not. You're not. I'm catching on. You're real good. You're real good. You're not gonna answer. We know you didn't fold. I read it. You didn't fold. We know that. The judge might have gave you a hard time because you weren't, you know, I guess because of who your father was. You, you're, a, you're a man's man. I salute you, I, you know. But even by watching you, how you answer questions, you, we know you're positive. We know that you push the positivity. But in order for us to know who George is, we, you know, we ask these well, questions. Well, George, it's, the stories, I, I'm a river of stories, <laughs> number one. But the stories, my message is I hope people get something from what I say to help the help them Positive. in their lives. Understood. That's the most important thing. Positivity. Why did they call you the cowboy? I hate that name, but <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question, young man. <laughs> because I'm gonna the FBI gave me that my indictment came down and said George AKA Cowboy Mark Toronto. And I acquired that name hanging out in Texas. It just so happens that uh, a lawyer called the bar I was hanging out, and the lawyer was all his phone was already tapped, mm -hmm. and they needed when actually to give you an A A K A it has to be re federally recorded, mm -hmm. so they give me this title cowboy, which made me look to the judge like sort of like a wild a wild type of cowboy. Well, anyway, fast forward to today, I'm branding under that name. Hemp Cowboy, I'll be branding CBD uh, cigarettes, cartons of cigarettes with my face on it. So uh, that's a message I'm going to give a lot of people coming out of prison. Don't come home with a chip on your shoulder. Take negative and make it a positive. So you will be seeing the Hemp Cowboy. <laughs> Buddy, <yeah. laughs> so you were hanging on the Texas, and then that's how you got that name. Question. Can you bring us to the day that, because they said that you're, you're and I'm going to ask you these questions. They said that your network at one time was worth $75 million. A year. For three years. So add it up. Mm. I, your words to the <laughs> listeners is, I wish it was true. Uh. But it's not. It wasn't true. No, it wasn't true. That was. There was two cases, two cases. Basically, in America history was uh, F Freeway Ricky Ross, where they, the CIA was giving him uh, the, the crack, the cell in L.A. Mm -hmm. They were giving it to him. They were giving him the coke to make, uh, and he was make, turning a profit. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he got life, and he wound up getting out after a while with that argument. My case and his case was the same. They actually gave me, the government gave me marijuana to sell. And uh, it was a substantial amount. They, we, we sold it. I got my end. But they let, now that's, you cannot do that. You cannot give a substance and you go sell it and that substance goes out to the public. You cannot do that. They're supposed to arrest you way before that. They were supposed to arrest us way before we distributed and kept the money. Same with Freeway Ricky Ross. They made him sell it and keep the money. 
But I don't understand what you mean. They made you sell it. They gave it to you. They sell. gave it to you. Now the post once you once they give it to you, that's where they arrest you. You're not you're not supposed to take the stuff away and sell it. <laughs> you know, I mean, what's that's wrong? That's wrong. And that they did that. There's on our two cases are the cases they did that. Really? Wait, but why? Why? I mean, maybe I'm missing. The story, but why? Why is the government giving you stuff to sell? Which they want to get you. When they want to get you, they're going to get you. Mm. They're going to get you. Oh, so you didn't know that the person that you was no, no, but buying they, from was they, a government. In legality worker. terms, they're not supposed to do that. In other words, if I come to you and I say, "Here's this marijuana, go sell it," as soon as I hand it to you. And as soon as you acknowledge it, that's when they post to arrest you. Got you. And you post to take the substance. Government takes the substance back. The substance is not supposed to go out to the streets. Well, there's two cases in America they let that happen. Yeah, yours are in freeway when you lost. Right. So, do you remember the day that you got caught? Do you remember what you was doing that day? Can you walk us through that day? It was September nineteenth, nineteen eighty three. Uh, uh, a very prominent business person that I didn't know uh, was working with the feds. He got jammed up, and now he was looking for a way out and uh, and uh, made sure I met him, uh, and that's when they, they arrested me. He got me to the meeting where I was going to be arrested. Hmm. How many how many uh, pounds did you have on you? They said, "Is it true that when I got arrested?" Yeah, nothing. It was nothing. Just just met a guy, and uh, at a pool <laughs> at a hotel, and the, there were so many agents there. The bartenders were agents. There was girls swimming in the pool that were agents with guns and plastic bags. They had girls sunbathing that was agents. They had like 40 agents back there. Just me. Hmm. So that means they must have had, uh, so they they were investigating you then, basically. They must have thought I was some yeah. bad dude. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you get, so you get, you get, you get, you get arrested. And um, <clears throat> once you get arrested, you take it to trial. You don't take it to trial. You tell them that uh, your lawyer talks you into. Well, it was when my book comes out or movie, you'll see it's a big, mm. so much double cross. And I mean, my life story has everything in the makings. It has the streets, right. it has drugs, it has the mob, it has courtroom uh, double cross, uh, it has prison, it has the f- finally getting out. Uh, can I, mean, I ask you a real question? Did yeah. you, can, I, can I ask you a question? Did you consider yourself a part of the mob, George? Yes, not mob, not and not in the mob approval. But my dad, what your dad was, you were. So you got the respect. You didn't have to be in the mob. You know, it, back in the day, it made sense. I don't know if it makes sense anymore. Mm. So you didn't have to. You be if you were my brother and you were in it. That's enough. Yeah. As long as you don't. Listen, I don't care if you're in the mob, out of the mob, if you live on the streets, whether you're legitimate, somewhat legitimate, illegal. It's very simple. You don't lie and you don't cheat. Hmm. 
And that's how you survive. So you get, they were supposed to give you 10 years, right? My guidelines, government probation uh, guidelines were 48 to 52 months. To be cruel, they could took me three times over 52, which has been 15 years. To give me life, no parole, nonviolent first offender was absolutely monstrous. Mm. Monstrous. And what was the reason for doing that? Well, there's so there's so much, like I said, it's I don't think we would have time on the show. There was so much in my case, you had prosecutors going to Washington and saying things like they were gonna bring down the Scarfo mob through my indictment. Mm-hmm. And then when the indictment came down, it was just a bunch of young guys with no records. So those prosecutors from Philly going to Washington and saying that their careers didn't go anywhere. Uh, so it was a lot of it was a lot of political uh, nonsense. Well, yeah, they needed didn't go down like they told Washington. And let me tell you something: these people in government, especially in the feds. You know, they, they, they'll stab each other in the back quick. So these, these prosecutors didn't deliver. So the only shot they had was pressure me, kept me in solitary. Hopefully I would break. So and, that didn't happen. And they tried to get you to flip on, 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 tell them business about your dad and the family. Yeah, they wanted, they thought I knew <clears throat> tremendous secrets was, I didn't. Understood. So now you're in jail, you get the time, you get how many years, life in prison without parole. That <coughs> means you come home with a body bag. Got you. So bring us in the first, you know, your first couple of years in prison. <coughs> what was it like? Well, I was in solitary for five years. Mm-hmm. So you're in a hole. <clears throat> Some of the holes I were inhuman. I don't know if you know what a boxcar cell is. We do. <coughs> <clears throat> you know, it's a double steel door. Some of the boxcar cells I went were actually condemned. Uh, they didn't even have toilets. They just had a hole in the floor, which sort of like a clutch on a car or a truck. Mm-hmm. And you would, uh, you know, uh, just a hole in the floor, and then you hit the clutch, and then it runs water. And uh, you better know how to jail with them kind of cells. The <clears throat> first thing you better do is get a bucket. Because at night, them rats come up out of that hole. Mm. And it ain't nothing nice fighting rats three, four in the morning. That's so crazy. I know all about hard time. Why did they put you in solitary confinement, though? Was ordered by the prosecutors. To, they just, they were desperate to save their careers. They didn't deliver <clears throat> to my indictment. Mm. So so now you in prison? Do, do you get the same? Uh, obviously, after the whole solitary, like you get the same um, love that you did when you were at home, as far as the family <clears throat> and the, the, the reputation from your dad. Well, thank God, yeah, I had good. I never burned my bridges with my family or friends, so I had tremendous support. But the first five years was difficult because they didn't even know where I was most right. of the time. It was illegal to keep you in solitary. Now, if you cause infractions or you're violent, something like that, but I just was supposed to do my time. Hmm. That's all you was trying to do. Yeah, I I couldn't do it. 
took years and years before I could name, finally got into a normal prison setting. Wow. <clears throat> so, but, you know, again, I'm happy to be on the show, but I want to make sure the audience understands that it's not all about me because better men and women had died in prison than I. Mm-hmm. You know, prison's not a guy thing. Everyone thinks prison's a guy thing. A lot of women mm-hmm. have suffered and are still suffering. just want to share that with the audience. You, uh, yeah, because you did a lot of positive things while you was in prison, like you prevented a, a hijacking. <clears throat> yeah, I had a hijack in 2010. Uh, that wasn't that nice. Uh, that was one of the deciding factors upon my release. And I've graduating 8,000 inmate students in my curriculum classes. That mm-hmm. was another deciding factor. And uh, all my uh, programming. programming. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I think Jay-Z right now is doing something big with re-entry, a reentry program, mm-hmm. helping guys come home. Uh, so I'm already familiar with reentry. Um, the hijack. Can you can you explain what what happened with the hijacking? Like, how did you know that story behind that? I don't. Know. I just was. You know, when I you know I've been chained up in prison transports and buses back and forth of this country. You can't imagine after 32 years. You know, I thought I was born. It felt like I was born in the cell, and the sink was my uh, my cradle. Myself. Didn't even think about the streets anymore. Anyway, I'm on a prison transport. Uh, when I know I got to travel, certain things I do, I stay up late, do a lot of working out, make myself good and tired. So, you know, you're, you're chained up on a plane all day. You just want to sleep. And I felt something around my, f- my feet. I looked down. I thought it was a pen. And sure enough, I looked a little more, and it was a handcuff key, and I knew I'd probably be dead in a matter of seconds because uh, you ain't coming out of cuffs in a prison transport in America. You will be shot. You will be shot in seconds. Their their marshals are trained. We have uh, them uh, laser sidearms. And I said, well, I'm going to die. And uh, it was dropped there by some uh, marshal, well, wasn't a marsh contract worker. And there was some Samayan pirates behind me trying to get a hold of it. They didn't understand English. They didn't understand the consequences. You come out of them cuffs. We were in the back of the plane. It was past the, the Sally Port where they feed you. It was about 12 of us back there. The whole 12 of us would have been killed. So I happened to wrestle them out. I got the handcuff key. If I say, here's your handcuff key, I know I'm going to be killed in about five, six seconds. So uh, I just threw it, threw it aside, and, uh, and I told the marshal, here's your, better get this key. And I got the worst end out of it. I got hogtied, and uh, I got, they call it Velcro wrap. They put you in the seat, and they wrap you with a Velcro so you can't move, and they put a hood over your head. So I got the worst end out of that. And, uh, and the plane lands. The FBI is waiting for me. 
And I said to myself, you know what? They'll they'll figure it out. And they threw me in a hole. A couple of days later, that's when they came. They said, we know what you did, Mark Durano. And I said, well, I need to document it. I need to document it. You know what I did? I need to document it. I need it for my warden. It took me four years to get it. Mm. it took me four years. So, like I said, you ain't coming out of hand, hand, leg irons and... And it's it's a speed key. I don't know if you know what a speed key is. It's about three inches long with a grip. Speed key means it unlocks your handcuffs and leg irons. It's one set. Mm. And you ain't coming you ain't coming out of that. When did it get easy for you in in, in, in prison? Like when was it things more never relaxed? gets easy because over the years you start losing loved ones. Never gets easy. So you just got to keep going, stay strong, keep going, <coughs> exercise, eat right, occupy your body and your mind. I don't know how I do it. I don't know how I did it sometimes. Yeah. Today I'm out here and I don't know how I did it. Did you meet anybody in jail that kind of kind of like uh, was your like mentor or helped you out throughout the way to your time? Nah, I never was much of a follower. I was always a leader. I created my own way, but my, I mean, John Gotti was my celly for two years. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I, I was a ray, ray, ray of characters. Ray of characters, so. What was he like? John was a gentleman. A gentleman, and, uh, and, uh, shame what happened to him. I think they could have, Took care of his illness. They just—I think they just let him languish. Mm. You think that was intentional? Well, he had what you call uh, everything had to be approved by Washington with him. In other words, if he had to go to an outside doctor, so they just—you know—the chain of command just took all its time. I understand that. Uh, I don't know verbatim, but I understand the family was told. If they had him sooner than later, it could have prevented it. Doctors mm -hmm. told the family that and, with the and, cancer, yes. And he was a gentleman you enjoyed being in the city. Oh, yeah, very, very intelligent man. He read the, uh, read unbelievable books. Mm -hmm. uh, very intelligent. Wow. But he was, you know, he was a, he was a gangster's gangster, you know what I mean? He'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll. He'll hold you in the fire with his own hands and not worry about burning them off. That's the kind of man he was. But don't you don't you find it strange? And this, this is to the people, like you know, don't you find it? We find it very curious that you know a guy like George could just hang out with John Gotti, no problem, man. You know, you smooth too. You well, smooth he knew too. I was. Yeah, of course. Of he course. knew who my dad was. Yeah. Yeah. I was doing the commission trial. I was the biggest mob trial. Uh, 1987, I was the biggest mild trial in history. That's what made Giuliano become mayor. He was the prosecutor. It was the commission trial. So we were all, I was all, uh, we were all together up there. Uh -huh. But in your book. MCC New York, yeah. And your book talks about, you know, you have a book coming out that talks about all that, that, that gives us play by play and stuff like that. Well, I'm, I have, I have written many books. I have written 31 books, but my book hasn't come out yet. Because I haven't, I haven't optioned it. Looking to option it mm. right now. Wow, wow. 
So moving forward, you um <coughs> now prison not easy. How do you start the programs that you started? Um, say that <laughs> your father passed away. How did that affect you? You were in prison. How did that affect you? Well, uh, you know, you just I did his eulogy. The warden approved for me to do his eulogy. I wrote a, wrote a beautiful eulogy in a poem called Lions Love Last and actually was it was published in the in the Philadelphia Daily News. So that's nice. So the warden uh and I, what we did is we went live right into the funeral parlor in Philly from a prison, prison in Louisiana. So uh, I did the eulogy live. So you know, they don't let you, they don't let you visit your loved ones. That them days are gone. Where you going? Really? Yeah. No, you're not. You're not going to go visit a funeral. Nothing like that. They stopped all that. Mm-hmm. They do it now, though. I think right. What can they do now? Yeah, he was in a fed. He was he was federal, <laughs> so I guess they do it, but very rare. The only way they would do it today, if you're at a camp, you know, you you're at a camp facility, but they very rare. They hmm. then you would even if they do it, you would have to pay for the marshals for the day. Oh. You start you start <clears throat> these programs, and you said you graduate. Eight, over eight thousand inmates. Students, what, what, yeah. what was the program? Can you tell us something? Reentry. I I am proud to say I actually created Reentry, the Bureau of Prisons. We created in the Coleman Complex, in Central Florida. What happens is in '87 they took the parole away. So uh, there was no programs because no one was ever no one was getting out. You had to do you had to do a two thirds year sentence. So uh, there was, there was. So finally, someone in Washington said, "You can't do this. We're keeping them in longer, but you still have to have programs getting them released to uh, back to society." Then we started reentry, and then it grew into a big, big budget. I hope it's still going today. My proudest class that I designed was Fathers Behind Bars, and when I left, it was still going. Then I heard it was still going proud of that, which takes estranged fathers, uh, inmate fathers, and try to get them back with their children. Hmm. So we did that program. This guy is good, guys. He's good. You're professional. You're professional, George. You're good. Well, I, I taught that in prison because, you know, you had to be polished. You had to know how to talk. The guy gets out of jail, you can... They'll spend a fortune to keep you, but they let you out of jail with twenty dollars. Mm. Yeah, they let you out of jail with nothing. So that's why they try to train these guys. You know, the only thing you're gonna have is yourself when you're out there. Mm. So you gotta know how to talk and how to dress. So I taught that. Did you ever feel like you were going insane? Did you ever feel like you were losing yourself? Inside. Oh yeah, there was you know you had to fight against yourself. You know any any guy that to me anybody uh, that don't thinks they're going to help humble themselves to the Lord when you know you're never coming home. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't call him a liar, but I know what it is. You know, a man a true man humbles himself before the Lord. Mm. 
And um, there's something that I wanted to ask you. You said that a couple of minutes ago we were talking about what characters that you met in prison that you heard about out here that they did that that end up being different in prison. You know, like so when you hear stories about, for example, you hear stories about John Gotti. You guys know each other, but like, I know you had to. You said you've been going through a lot of prison, so I know you had to meet some crazy criminals. Do you remember any of them you met that what might have been on the news? That was when you met them. They were different. They were kind, or you know, like. Well, Jesus, so many. One of my workout buddies was. They, I don't think it was his name. They gave him a name. Daryl Holmes, mm-hmm. well, he was my workout buddy. Very handsome man, thin, about 5'11". Anyway, he cut three people's heads off in the Colorado system. Hmm. He cut a guard's head off, an inmate's head off, and a psychologist's head off. This guy was so dangerous. What? Yeah, Daryl <laughs> Holmes. So he was my, he was my workout buddy for a while. And uh, he was something. But when he told the warden that day, he said, Warden, I did all your programming. I've been here over three years. And uh, I, I didn't cause you any trouble. Now I want to go back to the Colorado system, prison system. And if you don't, somebody's head's coming off. <laughs> so he told the warden, very casual. <laughs> and the warden said, please. Please, Holmes, don't do anything. Don't do anything. Well, the warden leaves. Now, nah, our cells crack, and you work out five guys. Cell, mm-hmm. Five cells crack at a time, open up. You got to go out in a chair and work. I got to go out in a chair and work out with him. Well, I had a, I had a towel around my neck that day. <laughs> and he looked at me. He said, George, listen, one thing. I would never cut your head off. You don't need to wrap that towel around your neck. <laughs> he literally cut... Yeah, he cut your head off, yeah. With what? A knife, prison knife. Yeah, George, you was about some crazy guys, George. Yeah, well, I'm telling you, he, and he was he was very mild-mannered, but <laughs> when he said head's coming off, a head was coming off. But the warden came in the very next day. Uh, that was a Saturday when he told the warden that. The warden came in Saturday with his leisure clothes on and says, Darrell, I spoke to the, he said, Holmes, is Darrell Holmes. I spoke to the governor of Colorado. I'll have you out of here. No more than 10 working days. Please don't do anything. Don't cut nobody's head off. That's crazy. Um, it also said you stopped the riot. Jeez, which one? Oh, wow. <laughs> which one? He involved in everything, huh? I mean, how do you do these things? It just... I just... Uh, my... My when I tell my life story, uh, you know, I went to Marion, Illinois, which was the worst prison in America. It had three hundred and seventy the worst guys, and uh, I had more. These guys had bodies in in the jail, out the jail. They made a movie about these guys, the Aryan Brotherhood, the original Aryan Brotherhood. Uh, his documentary, Barry Mills and T D Bingham. Then you had the American Me, Mexican Mafia. These were all the originators of these gangs. Well, guess what? I had more time than they did. I had more time than everybody there. I had life, no parole. No one was in there with life, no parole. All their lives were parolable. That means they wouldn't have did 30 years, but all their lives were parolable. So 
these guys couldn't figure this out. They said, wait a minute, you you got more time than us in your nonviolent first offender. And they said, they kept saying, there's something wrong, something wrong. And I used to show them my paperwork. I said, there's nothing wrong. So I finally got tired because they weren't the smartest guys in the world. I finally got tired. I said, you know what? I'm a, I'm a assassin for the CIA. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, we knew, we knew. So... <laughs> He was around all these. I mean, I, I, you know, I see the Aryan Brotherhood. I see uh, he was around all these guys and like you Barry, know, Barry Mills, Barry T.D. Bingham, uh, Champ, Black Bob. These were all head of the Mexican Mafia. So when I left that prison, went to any other prison, I, I always knew the worst of the worst and got a lot of respect. So, hmm. and it just grew from there. But I always did. Never got in the gang culture. I got in the education culture. Always felt that you know helping the young guys was important. Speaking of gangs, like what what kind of gangs were there back back then at, at that oh time? Oh my God, Christ! Every prison had eight nine <laughs> gangs. They have Gang Day. Yeah. Penitentiary is called Gang Day, where the warden actually approves the gangs to meet in the yard. Wow. Gang Day. And do what? And do what? They discuss their prison politics. <laughs> yeah, George, they have gang day. So, 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 what kind of gangs were there at that time, though? You name it. Every gang you can make, you name every kind of black gangs, white gangs, Spanish gangs, Asian gangs. You name it. Hmm. You, you ever heard of Thomas Silverstein? Yeah, Tommy. Yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, I wrote him before, a long time ago. He wrote me back. Yeah. Well, he's a guy. I don't know if he's letter. still alive. No, he's still alive. Yeah, the other guy died, Fountain. He's a young guy, young white guy, got caught up in the prison system, went away with a little bit of time, killed the guy, got more time, got into that. And, you know, uh, when you do hard time like I did, two things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, either, to the left, you're going to become beasts are to the right you're going to become better i call it the two b's beasts are better and i uh, with so many beasts uh when you look in their eyes there's nothing there anymore and i said to myself i'm not going to become that so it was i had a fight against that i i'm not going to become a beast and sad to say america we're the only country that creates an awful lot of beasts due to the fact that we incarcerate more than any country for longer amounts of time amen bring us to the day you 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 got the you know because you did a lot of appeals when you found out you were going home you know how long before you were released did you find i was released matter of fact i i just had an anniversary on october the 5th was the day i walked out but i found out on the second october the second found out at 7 30 at night that the order was signed but I had to go through a workday process, with, so I couldn't get out on a, a Saturday or Sunday. I had to wait till Monday. So I knew I was coming home, but we just a law just came down. It's called the two-point reduction. It was a law that just came down, and certain individuals qualified. And I knew I was going home, but I had two old-timers in their 80s that b- b- didn't get this done they were procrastinating because anyway instead of worrying about 
freedom I had to actually worked all that weekend and getting their motions in. So I really, really didn't think about going home until Monday morning. I really had to work hard to get these motions in for these two old timers. So and then Monday I finally got out. I felt her, held my first cell phone hmm. on October the 5th because they weren't invented when I went away. Wow. So I actually had two cell phones driving out of the prison. The whole world wanted to talk to me. So I had one cell phone in one ear, the other cell phone in the other. But I never held one till that day. Wow. Now coming home, like what, in, in, in your mind personally, like did you want to do on your first day out? You, you had any plans? Well, the, we had family. I, I, my, I did my acclimation in St. Pete, Florida. Acclimation of freedom. So my sister lives there. Two sisters there. Mm-hmm. So the family was there, and we cooked and ate and hung out. And I just loved getting up in the morning and just getting lost in the world, walking and running. I'd be going for five, six hours, mm-hmm. all over, all over St. Pete Beach, you know, parks downtown. Just, just, just wanted to be free. So. <laughs> My first time I went out, I got all dressed up. I went down town St. Pete and uh, was having a nice time and uh, had a few drinks. So I said, you know, where can I get a cab? And they said, just go by the park there. Everyone gets an Uber there. So <laughs> I, I don't know what to So I go to the park and I see some limos and cars and I'm going to, and I'm saying, hey, who's Uber? <laughs> Are you Uber? And one guy says, where you been? He says, Uber's not a person, it's a service. I was asked if Uber. <laughs> um, so tell us how you start the, uh, you have a store. You have Hip a Hemp store. Cafe? Hip Hemp Cafe. Tell yeah, well, you... uh, I opened the Hip Hemp Cafe uh, in January. As a matter of fact, we're on the full renovation right now. did okay. Uh, we're just upgrading it to... Uh, more pristine uh, clinical effect. Uh, reason I did it, Hip Hemp Cafe, uh, because Pennsylvania has the best CBD laws in the country. We have mm-hmm. the best CBD laws. CBDs are legal in 50 states, but every state has the right to decide how you can consume it. Pennsylvania is the best. We're better than New York. Hmm. New York is not there yet. So the Hip Hip Cafe is basically what can you tell us about the cafe? Can you tell us about it? We have everything CBD. We have coffee, teas, cold drinks, CBD water. We have oh, wow. CBD. We have CBD pastry uh, of all types. We have CBD items. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have CBD flour. So it's a That's complete, full fledged, total. Everything in the place is CBD. So again, Pennsylvania is the best state to do it. It's the best. So, 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 r- real quick, you know, because we're gonna wrap it up in a little bit. Give us a day, how it is being you. You, you know, like what do you do throughout the day now? I get up very early, no matter what. I don't care if it's if I go to, don't have much sleep. I'm up very early. I cold take two cold showers a day. I've been doing that for, for Christ over thirty years. And uh, still do it. Yeah, cold shower, run every morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of times, I I run to all my appointments. 
which can cover 10, 12 miles a day, run to all my appointments. Jeez. That's of course, you, you can't drive, you can't park, especially you're doing Center City. <laughs> so I run to all my appointments and Healthy take guy, care man. of me. It's just busy, busy meetings. Uh, but I always take time to interact with, I, I have what you call, I'm an intervention dash specialist. So mm. there's some people that have problems in their life. I give time to interact, discuss things. You just keep busy, keep busy. How can you help somebody today that's suffering from, you know, PTSD or, you know? Well, my, I have, I have the, as an educator, mentally, I have a word, certain way to do things. First of all, I want to get to know he or she, not discuss anything. Because if he or she doesn't like you, you're not going anywhere. So mm. you get you got to get that individual to like you right. as a person and vice versa. And then you you go from there. I agree. Interesting. So let me ask you guys your question. Um, how do you think your life would be, you know, if if you weren't brought up in the family that you were brought up in, which was your dad and everything like that? How do you think your, your life Jeez, would be? Jeez, that's a lot of things people tell me that, you know, I have, I'm intelligent and I listen and that, and if I could have went another way, but I disagree. I could have went the other way. I had a scholarship. I just chose to. Uh, the temple, you said, right? Yeah, I yeah. could have. I could have been a lawyer, whatever. I just chose to. I worked, and then I went to. I was only illegal three years, but still, I was illegal for three years. Hmm. Who taught you how to answer questions, George? <laughs> Who taught you how to answer questions? How to be media trained? You've been in college. Oh Christ Almighty! Years. But you have, you have. I graduated four hundred students every season of the year, so if you can't. Address your class. You know you're not a teacher. You if you can't move your class emotionally and educationally, so you're a smart man, George. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you're a smart man. You know, you didn't you didn't fold as we say in the hood. You know, and you you stood strong and you taught others, which was important. You know, I think that's dope. Um, is there a message you want to give the people? Before we sign out, you know. Yes, I thank you for that. It's very important. I, uh, of course, I mean, you know. Today, because... today, uh, there's so there's so there's so much uh, situations where young young people, middle aged people, not too much older young people, that they give up. They're giving up. They're giving up. Uh, either they go to the opioids or. From opioids, they, they lose their life, suicides and stuff like that. And it's all, basically, all starts with a repetitive thought. So you know, something's bothering you, something's bothering you, uh, some kind of question in your head, some kind of thought in your head, and you try to get away from it. So this, uh, I want to tell everyone out there, you know, when you do have a repetitive thought, don't take it as something detrimental or negative that means you care even though this thing's popping in your head a lot don't let it tear you down it means you care it means you're a person that cares so look at it in that light and take it from there and and grow with it we have so much so much so much derogation today this one guy man <laughs> real quick because we're going to sign out now Ladies, how can the ladies get in contact? 
<laughs> ladies. Uh, <laughs> well, I do date. Uh, mm. But uh, relationships are hard when you do, uh, be truthful, when you do 32 years, mm. prison re relationships are hard for me because, uh, you know, I had to stay Spartan. I had to stay tough. I had to stay sharp. So to survive, I had to survive. Right. I was in the worst prisons uh, known, to, known to man in this country, so... So now you come home and relationships is hard, but I'm a gentleman. But what kind of females are you into? Excuse me. What kind of females are you into? Females. What's your type? Ah, jeez. Funny females that's watching right now that might be you know, maybe interested. You never know. Listen, as long as they can cook and laugh, <laughs> I rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. On that note, man. Um, we want to we want to thank you. My pleasure for coming on pleasure. the show. Um, you answer questions well. You know, you didn't allow us to dig. You're very smart, but I'm going to get your book because I know you're going to expose a lot of stuff that I want to know. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. You answer well. You answer well. You talk guy. well. You're a very smart guy. Just remember, <laughs> stay loyal <laughs> to your nightmare of choice. Wow. Oh, wow. Wow. That's real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if he's... That was a nice one. He cool, man. Oh, that, he he cool. Did, did that, that line did it. You know, oh, that cool. line did it. He cool, man. Uh, We're going to sign out. Can you tell the people where to find you at, Um, the websites and everything? Well, yeah, hiphempcafe.com. Uh, that's about the easiest way. My branding site is not up yet. Uh, with all my CBD brands be under my name. So uh, that's it. I'm in Philly. Anytime uh, you just want to see me, you can just contact the show. Um, he's, uh, you know, uh, flip the script, and they'll get a hold of me. Anything <laughs> that we can do to help uh, help others. Yeah, I appreciate I think, that. I, I think that's important that you want to spread the message to the youth and help them and um, guide them in the right direction. Yes. You know, that's dope. Your money? Yo, man, I just want to say, like, this is by far a shot at any of our guests. But, you know, like, when you come to this platform, you know, like, you have the option to speak how you want to speak. You know what I mean? Like, we don't we don't force upon any answers or any, uh, you know, stories or, or, or opinions or views of your lifestyle or your, your past. So, you know, and, um, this show is a perfect example of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he spoke about what he wanted to speak about, and we respect it. And it was still a good story. It was still good content. You know, we, we we try to we try to push as much as we can, but you know, it's what you give us is what we're gonna take on the show. You know what I mean? So, salute to my man George for coming up here. Appreciate you, man. The cowboy, yeah, he dances. He, 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 <laughs> he answered well. Yes. He answered, hold, hold Thank on, you. Let us sign up. We want to. We almost done. We almost done. <laughs> yeah, George is ready to get up out of here. Listen, man, I just want to say. Um, we want, I want to thank George and thank you know everybody for coming in. Uh, his team and all that. You know, his team, man. Salute to salute them to for that bringing him in here. Um. Fridays, Fishbowl Fridays. Fishbowl Fridays, every Friday. Yeah. They know, you know. Yeah. yeah. They see the, you know. <laughs> Flip the script. Flip the script. DJG Money 156. On the, on the IG, you know what I'm saying? Well, this Queens Flip, man, you know, uh, I enjoyed this interview. Um, I like a challenge. And uh, George, you know, he, 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 he stood strong, man. A man with wisdom. 
I tried to pry, pry, pry. The crowbar wasn't strong enough for old George. You know? Old George, man. But I'll say I appreciate it. And uh, lock your doors. Uh, close your windows. Close your blinds. Open your blinds. If you see a man like George on your lawn, you don't need a firearm. No, let him in. He'll talk to you all night long. <laughs>